sometimes you look at Disney movies and you say, wow, how did they even think of that idea? Like the idea of Lion King, how did they think to impose this entire life and everything onto animals in the safari? But certain things you look at that and you say, oh, they must have taken the idea from there. They must have taken the idea from this place. Like, for example, a lot of the Disney princess movies were taken from older fairy tales that were written in literature or taken and pulled together from different places. However, if you look at the movie Shrek, Shrek features, for anyone who knows Shrek, Shrek features a talking donkey. And one might say, how did they think of that? A talking donkey. But us, as from Jews who have read the Torah many times, we say, well, of course, they took it from Parshas Balak. We have a talking donkey way back before Disney was even a thought. Before there was animation, before we even knew about imagination, we had a talking donkey. And in this week's Parsha on Parsha's Balak, we have this story of Balak and Bilam and the attempt to curse the Jewish people. And right in the middle of this story is the incredible episode of the talking donkey. And that's what I want to focus on a little bit today. So let's take a closer look at this story. In Bamidbar Parakhaf Bet, we have just gone through. Balak is the king of Midian, and Balak has reached out to Bilam, the prophet of the non-Jewish world at that time, and he wants Bilam to come and curse the Jewish people. Bilam knows he is at the whim of God, that being a prophet, he needs to take his words and he needs to take his instructions from God. So Bilam consults with Hashem, and at first Hashem says, don't go with them. And then Hashem says, ultimately, after Bilam asks and asks again, and they ask Bilam, and Bilam clearly wants to go, he continues to ask Hashem, and Hashem ultimately says, you can go with them, but just be aware, you must say exactly what I tell you to do, that you are completely and totally in my control, and whatever I say, you must say, whatever I do not say, you cannot say, and wherever I tell you to go is where you have to go, you are totally under my control. Bilam accepts, and the next morning he leaves with the servant of Balak, and he is on his way to attempt to curse the Jewish people. So that is where we are at at this point in Bamidbar Parachafet. So Bilam wakes up in the morning, and he he saddles his donkey, and he goes with the servants of Moab, the servants of Balak. Hashem was not happy, even though Hashem had ultimately given him permission to go. Hashem was not happy that Bilam has chosen to go. Hashem places a Malach Hashem, an angel, along the route in order to deter him from the journey. He is riding on the donkey and he has two um, servants that are coming along with him. The Aton sees the Malach Hashem, the donkey sees the angel of Hashem standing on the way, and the Malach Hashem is holding a sword drawn in his hand. So the donkey who sees this sword-yielding Malach standing in its way turns, turns from the path that he was on. So she starts turning off of the way 
and starts going into the field and Bilam hits the donkey in order to get her to go back to the Dara. So the Malach Hashem, the angel was standing in a place where um, he was in between two vineyards where there was a gate on this side and there was a gate on the other side. So the donkey, though, sees this Malach Hashem, and he pushes into the wall. So Bilam's leg gets jammed into the wall. So Bilam continues to hit her. So now they have really literally been backed into a corner. The Malach Hashem is standing on such a narrow, narrow piece of the way that there is no room for the donkey to turn one way or another. The Aton sees the Malach Hashem, it starts to run under Bilam. Then Bilam becomes angry. And again, he hits the um, he hits the donkey with his stick. So now they're in a little bit of a situation, which is that the donkey keeps straying from the way. Bilam keeps trying to hit her to go back on the way. Meanwhile, the Aton sees the Malach Hashem standing there. Bilam clearly does not see the Malach Hashem sitting there. And they are literally at an impasse. They cannot go anywhere because the Malach Hashem is standing in front of the Aton, holding this sword. The Aton is trying to protect Bilam. Bilam doesn't recognize it, so they're totally stuck. So at this point, Hashem opens the mouth of the donkey, and she says to Bilam, why, what have I done to you that you have hit me three times? And Bilam says to the donkey, He says, what do you mean why have I hit you? You have been going against me. You're not allowing me to go where I need to go. You're lucky I don't have a sword in my hands or I would have killed you instead of hitting you. He has skin, he's scanty la And she says, What, me? You think me? I have served you all of these days. You have always rode around on me. Have I ever have I ever not done what you needed me to do? And he says, No. So now Hashem opens up the eyes of Bilam, and he sees the angel of Hashem on the way. And the Kharab is held in his hand. And Bilam sees what he had missed until now, and he gets off and he bows down on his nose. So the Malach says to Bilam, why have you hit your donkey three times? I came to block you from going. And she was just standing up against me. So the angel says, don't you recognize what would have happened? Your donkey is trying to protect you. Had she continued on going, I would have spared her and I would have killed you. So Bilam says, I, I sinned. I'm so sorry. Um, do whatever is, like, I didn't recognize that you were here on the way. Do whatever is good in your eyes. 
go with the people. But remember, Bella, I was here to block you, and I'm here now to remind you that anything that Hashem says to you, that is what you have to say. So Bilam goes with the officers of Balak. And so now Bilam has arrived at Balak, and on, on we go with the story. And ultimately, Bilam fails. He is not able to curse B'nai Israel because he is only able to say exactly, exactly what Hashem commanded him. And therefore, he is unable to do what he wants to do. And we know that this ultimately is not a successful mission in terms of Bilam cursing the Jewish people. However, it ends up being unfortunately successful for the people of Midian and Moab because Bilam at the very end gives the advice to Balak that he has to cause B'nai Israel to sin and then Hashem will be angry with them and you will, and any enemies of B'nai Israel will be able to be much more successful when B'nai Israel are not following in the ways of Hashem. And that leads to the chait with Moab, the chait of Baal Peor that follows immediately after this story. But what I want to look at for a minute is just this episode. This episode with the donkey is very strange, right? We've had already before this numerous conversations between Hashem and Bilam, in which Bilam asks Hashem, it is quite clear to anyone who has even the slightest amount of a social understanding and understanding of, of other people's meanings and intentions that Hashem has absolute, absolutely no desire for Bilam to go and fulfill this mission. And it is very, very clear to anyone who is reading this story, that Bilam very much so wants to go take this mission. So we have Hashem on one side, does not want Bilam to go. We have Bilam on the other side, very much so wants to go. And he knows Hashem doesn't want him to go. And we ultimately arrive at this understanding in which Hashem says, you can go, but you have to follow exactly what I say. So what role does the Atun play here? Why is it important? What, what's going on here? Why would Hashem cause this to happen? So let's try to understand this a little bit. So Rashi says, what is really going on here in this Aton story? Why is it even important to bring this Aton into the story? So yeah, et atono. it says in the Pasuk that Bilam woke up in the morning et atono, and he saddled his donkey. Now this may sound familiar to you as Rashi is going to bring up. This teaches us that sinna, hatred, totally messes with you, that it messes up everything that you think is, is normal. That Bilam was an important individual. He was so willing for his hatred of the Jewish people to wake up and to wake up early and to saddle his donkey on his own. What important person saddles their donkey on their own? Of course, for an important person, an important person always has someone saddle his donkey for him. And we know that he had two Naravi Mo, that he had two servants along with him. But this mission was so, so important to him. He was so excited to be able to curse B'nai Israel that he woke up and he saddled the donkey on his own. So he says, Russia, you're a Russia, but who already came before you? Who did the same thing before you, before the good? Avraham Avihem. Avraham, their father. This rings of way back when we have the story with Avraham going to Akedas Yitzchak that Avraham did the same, that it says, Ahava Mikal says Hashira, that Ahava, that the love, the love that Avraham Avinu had for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the desire that he had to fulfill Raton Hashem was strong enough that it also led Avraham, who was also a very important person, Vayashkim Avraham Baboker, that Avraham even beat Bilam, he was willing to wake up early, he was willing to lose sleep over this, Vayashkim Avraham Baboker, Avraham woke up early in the morning, Vayachbosh 
he too saddled his donkey. He was so excited to be on the way to fulfill Ratzon Hashem with the Akedas Yitzchak. So Bill Amit is showing us that we bring in this Hamor originally to give us this hint back to Abraham Avid. Then using this language and even bringing up what animal it was that Bill wrote on was most likely to hint to us that there was a, this connection between Abraham and Bilam, that Abraham did the same action, but for the good, and Bilam did it for the bad. The Gor Aryeh, a super commentary on Rashi, comments here on this Rashi, Rosh Akfar Kadima, Ve'im Tomar, Minaleha, Ve'yirah Dehavi Le'lemitha Ve'yashkim Bilam Baboker. It doesn't say Ve'yashkim Bilam Baboker, it doesn't say he woke up early, rather, Ve'yakam, um, Rather than he just woke up in the morning. Just like here we see that sinna, that hatred, um, changes things, um, messes everything up. We would have seen, you would have thought also that Bilam would have woke up early. That it's saying to us that less we think that. Bilam woke up just as early as Avraham. No, Avraham's love of Hashem was even greater than Bilam's hatred. That lest we should think there's this comparison between Avraham and Bilam, we should say that though we are comparing, Avraham still beats him in every way. That it is meant to bring about this connection, but so that we recognize that Avraham's love of Hashem was even greater than Bilam's um, hatred of everything that had to do with the Jewish people. So the donkey being there for the mission is normal, but what about this talking donkey? Like, what is with this talking donkey? It's very normal for there to be a donkey. We see that it brings about this imagery in our mind that we recall someone going to fulfill Ratzon Hashem, and this is someone going specifically to go against Ratzon Hashem. But why, where did this talking donkey come from? The Mishnah in Perkei, Avos in Perkei, Pasuk Vav, Mishnah Vav, this is a very fascinating Mishnah. This is quoted often. That there were 10 things that were created Bain Hashmashos. That Hashem had finished creating the world on the end of the sixth day. The seventh day was going to be Shabbos, the day of rest. And Bain Hashmashos, during that time, that it's unclear whether it is daytime or whether it is nighttime, Hashem created 10 final miraculous things during that time. What were they? The Elohim. Piharet, the mouth of the land, which is what swallowed up Korah. Vipihabe'er, the mouth of the rock that we talked about last week with Ma'am Mariva, the, the rock that gave forth water to the Jewish people. The mouth of that rock was created during Menash Mashos. Vipihaton, and the mouth of the donkey, the donkey that we were talking about here. Vihakeshet, and the rainbow that was shown to Noah post Mabel. Vihaman, and the man, the food that was there to sustain Bnei Israel in the desert. Vehamatah and the staff of Moshe. Vehashamir. The shamir is a special bug that was meant to cut all of the stones in the Beit Hamikdash. That it was this little bug, and it, would, it was super powerful, and it was able to cut through these um, these fancy gemstones. I remember when we were in kindergarten, we learned about the shamir, and we created this this cute book. I don't know how my teachers came up with this idea, but they created this cute book, and each of us had to say if we had our very own shamir. What will we use it for? So somebody in the class said they would cut up so many pizzas. And somebody said they would cut up a birthday cake. And someone, I don't know, everyone had to say, and we had to illustrate in the book. I remember that very clearly. Vehaktav, vehamechtav, vehaluchot. Oh, 
this is um, a quill that in order to create, it, it has to do with the writing process that in order to create a quill, you need another quill. Um, it's one of those like a wrench that in order to create a wrench, you need another wrench. So the original one of those, the halufos and the two tablets. The Yeshomrim, and there are some that say, some add a few more things, um, such as the burial place of Moshe, um, um, and some say that also tongs, exactly, the tongs are made with other tongs. Oh, sorry. The tongs, before when it was saying this is the writing on the lupos, the special writing that was mirrored on both sides. Um, this was created also during the Bina Shemashu. So the idea is that there was all of these miraculous things that we are going to be using later on throughout the Torah that we can, at each of those, we can say like, where did that come from? Like, for example, last week, that was not our topic. We were talking about the surrounding context of Meimariva, but we could have asked that like, who in the world makes a rock that could talk? Like when did that, a rock that can give forth water, where did that come from? So each and every one of these things we could have said, oh, who create? when was that created? And all of these miraculous objects were created during the Hashemashos. So one of them is the Piha Aton. So we see here that Hashem had already pre-planned from the very beginning of time, from the creation of the world, that there was going to be a need for this talking donkey. So now we see it's typical for a donkey to be there. And Hashem had anticipated that this donkey was going to have to serve a supernatural role. And therefore, during the Hashemashos, during the days of creation, Hashem had created the mouth of the Aton. But why have the Aton talk? What's the point? Why was that necessary? The Aton had to make a point here, right? Bilam, you would think he would have understood directly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying to you, do not do something, there is no ambiguity. There is no, no lack of clarity. It is pretty clear what Hashem wants to happen in this specific situation. However, though Bilam had decided with the official permission of Hashem to go on this mission, Hashem wanted to make a point here. He wanted to make a point to Bilam. And to anyone who had seen, one could say that the, the Na'arim saw this, the Sarim of Moab saw this, that there were people around. And Hashem was making a miracle occur here in order to prove that everything that was happening here was still being conducted by Hashem. That this assures us of the power of prophecy, that Hashem speaks to Bilam, that Hashem chooses who he wants to speak to. This shows us the power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that Hashem can truly make anything happen, that obviously we are aware of this, but sometimes seeing tangible reminders is what helps us to remember in our everyday life that Hashem is truly the one running the world. So having a talking donkey that converses with a Malach Hashem in front of the eyes of so many people makes a tremendous miracle. This makes a tremendous Kiddush Hashem, that even in an instance that is about to make a terrible Chil Hashem, that Bilam is going to ultimately lead B'nai Israel to sin, which is going to cause Hashem to be upset, to be angry at B'nai Israel, and it is ultimately not going to be one of our shining moments. Within all of this, Hashem is exerting his power, and Hashem is showing through this talking donkey that, again, was premeditated since the beginning of time. Hashem had planned this miracle in order to show everyone there and anyone who hears this story that Hashem can do any supernatural miracle that we can imagine, and even those that we can't imagine that who would have ever thought of a talking dog? But Hashem was able to do it. So now I want us to put that 
in the side of our mind. And I want us to think what happens with the donkey after this? What are the next, where do we hear about this donkey afterwards? I, I wish I could direct you to a source, but there are none. Nothing. We know nothing of what happens to this donkey afterwards. The donkey is nowhere to be found. There is no further story. We don't hear about this donkey on the way home. We don't hear about anything. We never again hear about the talking donkey all the way until the, the, um, the 21st century when we have a talking donkey in the movie of Shrek. Between the Torah and Shrek, we have no more talking donkeys. So where did this donkey go? And I want us to put this to the side of our mind for a month, for one minute. And I want to talk about something that happens in Sefer Devar that I think is going to give us insight as to what happens to this donkey and why. In the first parak and the first pasuk of that parak in Sefer Devarim, Moshe is beginning his speech that is going to last throughout the entire Sefer, that is going to be the speech that is going to reflect on everything that happened to B'nai Israel throughout the course of history and is going to ultimately prepare them to enter into Eretz Israel. And in Devarim parak, Aleph, Pasuk, Aleph, it says, These are the things that Moshe speaks to all of B'nai Israel. These are the things. So it gives us the very, very exact location of where Moshe is speaking to B'nai Israel. That it says, Moshe speaks to B'nai Israel. Bamidbar, Ba'arava, Molsuf, Bimparan, Ubin Tofel, Vilavan, Mikhatiro, Vidizahav. Now, if I were to ask you if any of you have ever gone to visit the spot in which Moshe gave his speech to B'nai Israel, you would say no, because we can't find it. Because we don't actually have many of these places and their location. We don't find many of these places anywhere else in Tanakh, and therefore we are unable to locate it. So if it is not giving us exact coordinates that we are going to be able to follow up on ever, then why mention such an exact location of where Moshe was standing? And Rashi mentions here and says, Within the names of these places are divrei tochacha. These are words of rebuke. Moshe is listing all of the places here that B'nai Israel angered Hashem. Therefore, it shortens the words, it only gives hints and alludes to them through this hinting because of the honor of B'nai Israel. So, what happens here? Each of these places are not real places. It's Be'ever Ayardim, Be'midbar, Ba'arava, Molsuf. It's about Molsuf. What happened to Molsuf? B'nai Israel doubted HaKadosh Baruch They screamed out to Hashem. They said, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to take us here to kill us here in the desert? Ubein Paran, Ubein Tofel. Each of these places is really not a real place. Rather, it is alluding to a different sin and a different place in which B'nai Israel sinned to Hashem. So Moshe is beginning the Tofel right from the outside. Even through the location of where he is speaking, he is alluding to things that B'nai Israel did wrong. But because of the kavod of B'nai Yisrael, because of the honor of B'nai Yisrael, he does not say them outright. Rather, he only alludes to them through hinting. Interesting to note, if you go into every single Rashi that starts off a Sefer, 
So the first Rashi in Sefer Barishas, the first Rashi in Shmos, the first in Vayikra, the first in Bamidbar, and the first in Devarim, it either talks about Kvodan Shal Yisrael, the honor of B'nai Yisrael, or Mitochli Batan Shal Yisrael, or the love of Hashem for the Jewish people. So the first Rashi of every single Sefer, not just this one, talks about the tremendous kavod and the tremendous love that Hashem has for the Jewish people. That when we start off anything, it, I believe it's to remind us that throughout every Sefer, there are so many things that happen between us and Akadosh Baruch Hu. But when we start off each Sefer, we remind ourselves how much love and how much kavod Hashem has for Am Yisrael. So now let's take that and let's go back to our story that we see that in Sefer Devarim, we talked about there, we talk about the tremendous level of kavod that Hashem has for B'nai Israel. that although Hashem is the greatest, most well-respected, most incredible, literally awesome being that is not a being, and we have to have the utmost kavod for Hashem, Hashem shows kavod for us as well. So now let's take this back to our story. What happened to the Aton? And it says in Bamidbar Rabbah, that when Bilam says, that, uh, sorry, when the Malach Hashem says that the Malach Hashem saw, um, that the Aton saw her, saw the Malach, She's, the Malach says to Bilam, Bilam, you know what would have happened if the, if the Aton had continued to walk? I would have kept her alive and I would have killed you. From here we learn that the Aton was killed. That when the Malach says this to Bilam, really the opposite happens. The Malach says, had the Aton continued on, I would have killed you and kept her alive. What really happened in this situation is that I kept you alive and I killed her. So the Aton was killed by the Malach Hashem. And later on in Bamidbar Rabbah, it continues on, it says, it says, the Aton died because she spoke. Why was the Aton killed? And the, and the Bamid Barabba gives us a few explanations, but the one that we are going to focus on is, the first one is that because the Aton spoke, therefore she had to be killed. Um, that we wouldn't want someone to think that the donkey had spoke on her own. It wasn't so clear that it was directly from a Kaddish Baraflu if you weren't thinking about it in that context. So therefore, um, we had to kill off this donkey so this wouldn't be a symbol of something that seemingly had created this miracle on its own. But the explanation that we are going to zero in on is the second explanation, explanation of Bamid Baraba, which is Shechas HaKadosh Baraflu Al-Kudah Shal Rasha. That Hashem not only has respect and tremendous kavod for B'nai Israel, but rather Hashem was also so concerned for the kavod of this incredible Russia, of this Bilam, this guy who seems out to do no good. That nobody should go around saying, oh, you see that donkey? That donkey is the one that tripped up Bilam. This is the one that was able to outsmart Bilam. And if Hashem has so much concern for the kavod of this Russia, of this Bilam, this one who was directly going against his words, if Hashem was worried so much about Bilam's kavod, how much more so we, can we say that Hashem is concerned about the kavod of a tzadik? And I think from here we can understand why we never see this donkey again, that this donkey is killed off in the end of our story, never to be seen again, because Hashem has so much respect for his creation that Hashem created us, we might say only we have to respect Hashem. Hashem doesn't have to respect us. But Hashem is teaching us this lesson that he shows so much care and concern that he's willing to kill off 
this donkey, and we are going to go into this in one minute, in a piece from Sifos Musar, but it would have been much more productive for Hashem to keep this donkey alive. But Hashem kills off this donkey to respect the kavod of Philip. Rav Chaim Shmulevitz in Sichos Musar gives an explanation on this piece in the Bamid Bar Rabba. He says, That when Hashem asked Bilam, who are these people who are there with you? That when Hashem began the questioning of Bilam, he was already looking at it from the perspective of Bilam's kavod. That he was saying, Bilam, who are these servants that are willing that you should listen to them? What, you're such an important guy. Why should you be taking them in? You brought them into your own personal space. Hashem was very concerned about Bilam's kabod. That we see also that Hashem killed the donkey in order to maintain the kabod of Bilam. Because Bilam saw that Hashem was concerned for his kabod, that Bilam understood also that when Hashem said, Bilam, really don't go for them, it's not, don't go with them, it's not going to turn out well. Bilam did understand that it was for his own personal kabod. But rather, Bilam still didn't want to reveal to the servants, he didn't want to reveal to everyone else that he was at the whim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, Mashu Shalota Bilam Behavanat Tzivoy HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It seems that Bilam was not mistaken in the commandment of Hashem. He understood Hashem's commandment. But rather, Hashem really gave him two commandments. Hashem gave him two commands. The first was that he should not even go with them because this was lowering his kavod. Um, and the second was was that he shouldn't curse the nation. We understand how great the the um, hakbada of Hashem was on the kavod of Bilam. Hashem didn't want this aton to stay alive, and that everyone who should see it, this is the one that tripped up Bilam. This would have been a living, walking, talking Kiddush Hashem if this Atun had stayed alive. It would have been such a proof of, of the miracle that Hashem can do. It would have been a proof of prophecy. It would have been a proof of the power of Hashem over all human beings. But Hashem was willing to pass up this walking, talking Kiddush Hashem. Because Hashem would have said, wow, how incredible are the creations of Hashem. Hashem was willing to sacrifice his own kavod for the sake of Bilam's kavod. He was willing to kill this aton so there wouldn't be an embarrassment to Bilam. And even though this itself would have been a tremendous opportunity for Gidol Shem Shemayim. Now, if we skip ahead in the piece from Rechaim Shulavitz, this is a lesson to us. As it says to us, you should walk in his ways. That we should never throw a rock after someone who's fallen. Rather, we should try with all of our efforts 
We should always try to detract someone for, from furthering their fate or for even lowering their kabbalah. Even if he is a Russia gomor like Bilam. So what is the lesson we can take from here? We have this incredible miracle, this, don- this donkey. We have covered so many of our topics have been about the necessity to make a, kav- a, a Kiddush Hashem. How making a Kiddush Hashem and fulfilling Ratzon Hashem is above all. However, I wanted to end off our series on Midos with, the, with this lesson that Hashem is showing us that sometimes even when something can be a walking, talking Kiddush Hashem like this Aton would have been, if it is coming at the cost of somebody else, then there is no way that we can go with this option. That Hashem was willing to kill this Aton, that he had pre-planned from the beginning of time in order to make a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. Hashem was willing to kill off this donkey in order to maintain the covenant of someone who was such a Rasha, Kalbachomer, as it said in the Midrash, for its Tzadik. So Mir Tzashem, may we be able to take these lessons that we learned all of the weeks and combine it with this lesson of today, that we may we be able to ultimately make a Kavod Shem Shamayim in everything that we do. May we be able to always be Mikadi Shem Shamayim, while at the same time recognizing that our Midos and our respect for other people, in addition to our respect and our Kavod for Hashem, come above all else. Thank you so much, everyone, for learning.